and I kind of made peace with slash started leaning into and enjoying the idea of initiator and being mm. the initiator for whatever the function is. The guy that's like, all right, Top Gun Maverick's coming out. Who wants to go? And I'm buying tickets and blah, blah, blah. And playing the parties and doing things like that, which for some people is not their gifting or they don't have capacity for it or it's exhausting or it doesn't feel fun or it feels like kind of excruciating. But I made a sort of shift a couple years ago, maybe like seven or eight years ago, where I decided I'm in as control of my friendships as I want to be if I don't keep score of who's doing what, of who's texting me back, of who's driving to my place versus me driving to their place, of, of who's throwing the thing, of feeling anxious about not being included. If I'm the person including, then it's, then it's completely, I mean, not completely, but it's more in my control. So as far as community building, it's, it's kind of creating the shape of the life that people want to be a part of. So that's the shape of your own life and then inviting people into that. Wow. Well, speaking of making peace with being the instigator, let's start the episode. Click. <laughs> you bought me like two years ago well i just remembered that it's sitting in the closet so i called you up just to tell you i've been meaning to listen to that i've been meaning to listen to that why don't you come over and talk about it That was all the cold open. I got 16 minutes on my recorder. <laughs> no, 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 like we just like use like a minute or two of that okay. basically and stuff yeah, like that. I should have tied it in. Like sometimes you have to instigate a meeting across the river <laughs> or whatever the case may be. Uh, but welcome to the show. Welcome to I've been meaning to listen to that. The podcast where you go through albums we've been meaning to listen to and use as a conduit to learn about each other and our guests. I'm Andrew Ambrose Lee. I'm Sean Wilkinson. And I'm Michael Limitado. And I'm also Michael Limitado. One of these days. Yes, you wish. It's very aspirational. I, like I do that every time I'm on. I always introduce myself as you. Yeah, you don't hate me because you ate me, Steph. <laughs> I don't know. Kevin Porter's here. He's uh, <laughs> he hosts Gilmore Guys and uh, Good Christian Fun and Inside wow. Voices and stuff. Director of the Super Mario Brothers movie. Casting director. Don't overstate it. I'm not the director. Uh, yes. Please. My favorite reaction to that was like some person going like, oh, this is clearly fake. And then they read an article and like, oh, my God, it's real. <laughs> Wait, <laughs> that's real. No, <laughs> oh, we got to do it again. Um, but yeah, welcome to the show. Kevin Porter's here. Uh, returning favorite. Uh, hey, how's your heart? Kevin? Sure. Oh, my gosh. Wow. This sounds familiar. Good grief. Did I have a beard when we recorded? I don't. I don't think you did. Like, I or think like, it's, it's no, no. Like, I think like it was like early 2019 and like, no, late 2019. And then I said, horny summer 2020. Yeah, coming up. It still have been horny in summer of 2020. It just was a inconvenient time to be horny. Ooh, not me. I'll tell you. I'll tell you that much. I got COVID and it made me hornier. <laughs> so weird. Yeah, it was like, a you common had, symptom. Right. Yeah. That's a side effect people don't talk about. Yeah. I, I, some people get long COVID. I got thick COVID. <laughs> you got extra long COVID. Okay. I got mad. COVID. COVID is very good. Oh Jesus. my God, Michael. Thank you. 
Um, Michael, by the way, is like our Caroline, and I'm jealous of how funny he is and how much better. <laughs> like, uh, like, keep that in. Keep that in. <laughs> Michael. This is the earliest I've ever said this, but can we please boo Michael from the Zoom? Usually, it takes a lot longer to get to this point. I'm saying thick COVID, so you're welcome. <laughs> uh, but yeah, welcome oh, to the show. Um, we had you very early on in our run, honestly. Like, I honestly think a little too early. Like, what, we're very what green. episode was that? We talked about Carly Rae Jepsen. Carly Rae Jepsen, Dedicated. It was like the 20th episode. This is the 16th. Like, we technically do a lot of bonus episodes, so this is like the 100th. 150th or whatever but like um it was like very early on and i was like very green and like i think when we asked you to do the show i wasn't like expecting a response at the time and then you like and then you responded it's like and then um i remember this is one moment i really remember like that's kind of embarrassing um (laughs) where i asked you like hey would you like to do uh dedicated or emotion side B. And then you said, Hmm, let's do emotion side B. And then I felt, then I was like, um, no, we should do dedicated. And then I felt bad and was like, no, you know what? Let's do emotion side B, you know, just let the guests choose. And now then I felt bad for like, like relinquishing, like, oh, this is the thing I wanted to do. And then I was like, Hey, actually, can we we, uh, do dedicated? And like, it was like in the span of like, three hours of just like me like right. second guessing myself over and nope. over again oh my god and the worst part of that episode should not be that andrew i was re-listening to that episode with you guys it was when you guys were relitigating your history with christianity oh. in front of Timothy Porter. i was like come on he does other shows to escape this crap not to do it again uh, no really kevin if I were you and I had a show about Christianity, fuck that shit. If anyone asked me to talk to them about Christianity, I'm like, talk to some other person. I'm so sorry. Mike, I feel like you bring it up every episode. Me? Yeah, I can bring yeah. it up to you guys, but uh, I can do whatever I want. I can talk about, you know, if I, I want to talk about how my parents think I'm going to go to hell, I, I can do that. But I'm not sure. going to, like, trauma dump it on... Actually, I oh do do God. that, but <laughs> whatever. I'm, okay, I'm sorry. But I, I didn't like what you did. So I, I, I get what you're saying. It would be like coming up to, I don't know, like an actor of your favorite TV show and being like, in episode seven, you said this. And they're like, well, I shot that when I was like 25. Right, I don't right. remember that. Or, or like, it's like, uh, I've talked, I told this like exact story on a recent episode, but like, Cause I'm like gay. If I'm out with my partner and we're like at a bar and this girl comes up to me, is like, Oh my God, I love how cute you two are. Like da 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 da. And it's like, she just wants to be friends with us. Cause like, we're gay mm-hmm. and they love that. Well, you know? in Tulsa, like, I'm sure it is a little more novel, unfortunately. That's I, mean, I guess it's not that novel. I live it every day. <laughs> yeah. It's not novel to you, Andrew. I, I will come for you by saying, I don't remember that exchange at all. <laughs> <laughs> That's usually the case. That usually is what happens. Um, I have nothing but a positive memory of that. So no, don't don't worry about it. I was happy to talk about Christianity. Andrew thinks about it every day, though. He does write it down in his journal every day. Yeah, 
in my sin journal or whatever. <laughs> Something like that. What is happening? Oh sin journal? I, I think people call that a spank bank. That's not, uh, that's not what that's called. Yeah. yeah like, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, uh, I'm from the Midwest, so that's what we call it. Um, but welcome to the show. Welcome to this episode. Thank you. Um, we're here to talk about... Bruce Springsteen's Born to Run. Uh, this is an episode I've been really excited to talk about. Like this is, um, so yeah. Let's just go around the horn and talk a little bit about our. Let's just get right into it. Who cares? Um, let's get into our. Um, what's your, what are your folks' preconceived notions of, of Bruce Springsteen? Basically, uh, let's start with Sean first. Like, what do you have any history of him? Do you have a familiarity with him? Well, so I mean, like, I think everybody knows Born in the USA. Um, and that record was like given to me by my uncle when I started like collecting records and I would like skip around on it and listen to it. And I don't know, Bruce was always that guy of like, I knew, I know that boomers love Bruce Springsteen and I only know born in the USA yes. and I like boom Springsteen. Boom Springsteen. For, yeah. I don't know. That's I, I'm a comedy writer and stuff like that. Hmm. Like, like, <laughs> you're putting that in your uh, script, right? Yeah. I'm putting yeah. that in my, like just that yeah. one line. I wrote, like, um, but no, and so like, I think that knowing that boomers love him and then knowing like Born in the USA, but not knowing anything about like his outside of the music, I'm like, he, he just seems like, like I was talking to Kai about it earlier and I was like, Bruce Springsteen is like one of the quintessential like Americans, you know, like I just associate, like I imagine him being like, very much like, <laughs> oh, these people are taking all the good jobs away from people. That's interesting, and like, yeah. Just very right-wing is what I would associate him with. Which is so interesting um, to dig into it because, like, with much of his catalog, not really what we're talking about today, but so much of it is just historically pro-union, historically, like, the night after Reagan's right. election, he's like, whatever happened last night, it was fucking weird. Two, three, four, like, just, like, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> consistently. Right. Yeah. this, like, the inclusion of, like, Clarence Clements and stuff like that. Like, and, like, but yeah. Right, which for us now in 2022 is, like, who gives a shit? But in, in yeah, 1975, yeah. <laughs> New Jersey was, like, a statement of a sort. It, it was a, to have an integrated band uh, was something. But I'm sorry, I interrupted you, Sean. I think it's also he kind of fits into that like Creedence Clearwater revival thing of like one of the artists or bands who's they have one yes. song in at least like yes. every war movie. It seems like you're talking <laughs> so, about Fortunate Son or Bad Moon Rising, I guess. Yeah, right. Rolling Stones, Creedence, Bruce Springsteen. Um, and and so, the parallel to Sean of like, uh, I believe the last president used Fortunate Son at some of his rallies and then. John Fogarty had to come out and be like, don't do that. I fucking hate you. In the same way Bruce had to do that with Reagan a little bit. I think about uh, uh, Rihanna's Please Don't Stop the Music was used at a lot of uh, rallies. And she she came out and was like, don't do that. And I tweeted a tweet that I was like, this is a genius tweet. And I was like, Rihanna says, please stop. Please don't stop the music. And then I like searched it and like 800 other people had tweeted that exact tweet. And I was like, okay, I'm sorry. I, I'm too late to this. <laughs> By the way, I have, I, have a, I have a hilarious uh, Will Smith slap tweet. Um, what if they, did they revive the show, the slap yeah. okay, from NBC? Yeah. You know, uh -huh. when that happened? Yeah. 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 <laughs> Like, Sean, any other any other thoughts? Any other like you know preconceived notions out of it? That's, I mean, that was really bad. I just all the songs I have heard from him that aren't born in the USA, they did all kind of sound the same to me, and so Whoa. I did kind of feel like I don't know, it wasn't this big incentive for me to kind of dive into it. But 
And like, even the first listen through this album, I was like, mm, that's fine. And then I listened again. I was like, okay, I kind of oh, get interesting. it. Sean and I are going to fight later mm. again. <laughs> well, because Steph, you really love Springsteen, yeah? Uh, I, I don't know that I would say that I love Springsteen. I'm, I'm, I'm exploring. But I similarly to Sean, my like, I for a long time just thought of Bruce Springsteen as like old man, like dad music. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, um, And then and I, I, I weirdly kind of one of the weird things that sort of turned the corner for me was I, I interviewed with a director to do a show called Herland, which I didn't end up getting hired to do, but it was a show about, uh, uh, it was like an all female cast show about nothing (laughs) because women don't do anything. Um, is it an all female cast, but like they they only had to pay the cast 70% of what you pay a normal cast. (laughs) Exactly. Don't even get me started. Um, but they, Oh my god! Now I'm trying to remember. Basically, the crux of it—it it was like all Bruce Springsteen music was like the sound for it. Oh, and fun. I think they were like, I think they like played a song at the end. I can't remember what it was, but I remember talking to the director, and I was like, "This is how I feel about this." And and he he's a big Bruce Springsteen fan, and he was like, "Yeah, that's not right at all. Basically, like that's a total misread of this artist, and like there's so many themes mm-hmm. of this in his music and whatever." And so that kind of that was the thing that kind of turned the corner on me. But Born in the USA is the album I think I'm the most familiar with. Um, good, good album. This was a, yeah, it's a great album. But this was a very fun, um, fun. It was coming coming from there and going backwards was very fun. Yeah, yeah. All I really knew about Bruce Springsteen, this was not a touchstone for me. Like my grandparents were Italian immigrants, and then my other grandparents uh, are like extremely, extremely religious. And so there was like just Christian music on that side. And then like Frank Sinatra, if anything, on the other side. And like, that's what was also Christian. Yeah. <laughs> yes. And that, so that's like what was passed to my parents. So my parents yeah. listened to like basically no music. Like what they listened to around the house was like mercy me, if anything. Right. And so, yeah, which is almost like negative music. It's like, this is the absence. Right. Music. Right. It, it's been deleted from my brain. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I got to write that off. I'm still writing it off. I'm an accountant. So trust me on that one. Uh, um, but I, so I, none of this, like, oh, my dad listened to it. Oh, my uncle listened to it. Like none of that really ever registers for me. Like what I learned about Bruce Springsteen is like what I see on like Twitter about Bruce Springsteen basically. Right. And like, (laughs) which is not a lot. I should say he's not like a meme Lord amongst Twitter. You've seen some dang (laughs) Bruce Springsteen memes. Like, I know I followed some Bruce Memesteen accounts and they're, they're not so good. Their voice is all off. No, (laughs) they're not popping. Bruce Springsteen updates is not as popping as like Anadarmus updates or whatever. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. The fan cams are lacking. (laughs) Him and little Steven, even though there's, I He's a very like, fan cammable artist too. Like he, he kisses so- everyone. I yeah. mean, yeah. <laughs> there should be a million fan cams. Anyway, I'm sorry. No, 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 no. Uh, so I, I don't know. All I really do is like his voice is fun to do I'm an sorry. impression of, <laughs> and, and like right. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, he yeah. seems boomery, like Sean said. Like those are my only two things. I'm gonna say this is my first time this podcast in preparation listening to any of these songs Whoa. unless they're in oh, like wow. a okay. movie yeah yeah like yeah. i was not i've never heard even born to run which i know is like crazy to say so that's interesting i mean yeah i'm surprised that you wow. wouldn't have just heard that like at the mall one day I, if something. i've heard it it's been like back like I, I wasn't like this is bruce springsteen mm-hmm. right 
Yeah, it's he's got that oeuvre that you don't even want to like uh, tackle it because it's like, OK, Bruce Springsteen fans, I don't really care. It's like, you know, if you don't didn't know Nicki Minaj and you're like, hey, what Nicki Minaj song should I listen to? Right. And people are like, you haven't heard Nicki Minaj. Like, it's like. I don't know. And the and the barbs do do all sound like Miss Piggy. Right. Yeah. <laughs> but, like, yeah, they will karate chop you if you give her a bad score on Pitchfork. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's, it's a bad it's, situation. That, just a karate chop is better than what Halsey fans would do to you if you get a bad score on Pitchfork. I mean, no, I mean the stand, I will say, yeah, like <laughs> the stand culture of Lana, Nikki, Swifties. Beehive, mm. they will murder you, you if you don't do right them. by their yes, artists. You can't yeah. not know them. It's whereas I think the boomers don't have enough of a grasp on sure. the internet to <laughs> pose any real it's threat. It's true. They are they yeah. will not dox you. Yeah. They need to get their they need to That's get right. their grandson <laughs> to like help them out. Like <laughs> that with is yeah. mm-hmm. Grand Barb. <laughs> Grand Barbs. Very good. Very good. <laughs> uh Ke- Kevin, what is your like what it you you're the one with like the most like history of him. What, I know. What is your history? I mean, but, how long are we doing this podcast for, gang? I don't want to hold you hostage for the rest of the day. It's just like I, I could. This could be the first of four hours if we want it to be. It won't be, but it could be. I got into him by honestly, it was this is a time capsule by getting an, an iPod for Christmas, and it was it was a sixty gigabyte that? iPod, oh. fourth generation. Oh, you kids! I'm joking. Oh, you sweet children! <laughs> no, was that? Oh, the old iPods with the scroll wheel. Oh, that was, I wish we still had those. Those are good stuff. The gray touch wheel, because there was like four generations. And then the last one was the best. It was a beautiful piece of design. Yeah. It was a touch wheel, click wheel, and it was 60 gigs. And then after I put on kind of similar to you, Michael, where I bring in a lot of CCM, contemporary Christian music. And then what I was into at the time was just Mm. score and soundtracks. Mm -hmm. And like, I like Thomas Newman's take on American beauty and this little weird 12 year old saying that. So I was like, Oh, I (laughs) need to get more music. So I was like, (laughs) you and I were new music (laughs) into Google. What's that? We were the same amount of annoying as kids. Uh, For sure. (laughs) As far as music is concerned, I was like, have you guys, I played the cello too. So I I like knew like the pirates of the Caribbean, like all of the pirates of the Caribbean soundtrack on the cello and it'd be like you know oh yeah, what's yeah, yeah. this that i have with me like my cello and it's like oh I, don't make me play don't make me sing don't make me play pirates of the caribbean don't make me do okay if, you, if i have to uh, 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 i'll do it cello's a big instrument like, oh, i know large, i carried around like a backpack wow. no uh, so then I looked up the Rolling Stone top 500 songs of all time or top 500 albums of all time. I think Born to Run, both the song and the album were like number, I want to say 14 or 21 at the list at the time. They've revised the list since then. So I kind of downloaded that. I downloaded his most recent album at the time. So this was 17 years ago. So it was Devils and Dust in 2005. And then it was really slow. I kind of, it was like a slow build and burn into it. I did not get into it by way of parents, even though I found out later my father was into him in college and stuff. But, uh, you know, got that, got the Seeger Sessions album when that came out in 2006, which no one liked, uh, but I loved. Or, or like a majority of his fan base didn't like because a lot of his fan base is uh, <laughs> fucking stupid, as we'll find out. Um, and uh, yeah, got into that. And then Magic, the 2007 album came out and then went on tour. I was in college. I had the time to go see him. So I saw him I since 2007 until 2016. Damn. I saw him 24 times in concert. Holy shit. Uh, live. 
<laughs> and it became it became like a it was like a slow snowball and then it was like oh fuck this is like what i care about and it <laughs> felt like life now well, it kind of, it, it felt it, and it still feels like even yeah, now, even yeah. though I kind of have a different relationship to it, it's like the center of music for me, just in the sense of like all other music I understand yes, and contextualize yes, through yeah. that prism, even like in his absence or presence, uh, just because he encapsulates like, you know, even uh, like 50s and 60s girl pop, Phil Spector stuff, but then Americana and country Western and then soul and then funk and then like rock and roll and fucking Chuck Berry core and Rolling Stones cover, like all that stuff I find in him and like, you know, he, he encapsulates so much of. So I went deep pretty quick because um, I was into Dylan mm-hmm. at the time. I was actually pretty into Bob Dylan, read the biographies and got into like those first six albums pretty hard. But then Springsteen also like stimulated the part of me that Dylan did with lyrics, but also with music. And it felt like the full complete thing. And just someone where it's like the greatest nights of my life were yes. yeah. going to see him with two or three friends, front row in Houston, 2008, front row of Los Angeles, 2016, front row in <laughs> Austin, 2009, you know, like just so many um, memories attached to it. And now the songs. Does Bruce recognize you? Would he be like, oh, hey. I don't know. Well, <laughs> here, here's, here's the distinguishing thing about me at a show or me and my friends at a show is we are under the age of 45. So it immediately is like, hey, who are these kids over here? You know, like, and so like we've played his guitar during Born to Run. He would always get on his knees in front of us, uh, you know, at the shows. Because for the stage setup, uh, unless it's a stadium or a festival setup, there's no barrier between the front row of the audience and the stage. If you're in the front row, your elbows are on the stage the way mine are on this desk right now. And so he'll just like come down. Most of his audience hey. needs a ramp to get up on that stage anyway, so it works out yeah. well. I mean, that's truly what I'm worried about with this next tour, so we'll see. I know, because of course, invariably, it was just like a bunch of balding white men, you know, who were going or <laughs> at, the, at the show, it was a certain kind of person, so you did stand out by just the presence of energy the at all. Uh, so that would be a distinguishing... <laughs> truly, like honestly... Uh, in America, in Europe, it's not the same. In Europe, they got there a little bit later than they did in America. So the audience is kind of a generation younger in Europe. And audiences in Europe are generally more free, more extroverted with how they enjoy stuff. So instead of just like arms crossed, drinking four beers and waiting for them to play Rosalita, they'll be like, ah, you know, like they will be like I am as an 18 year old boy. Um so, yeah, I mean, I could go on. The songs are like scripture to me. I, I made uh, friends of mine in the past play the psycho game of <laughs> I put every Bruce Springsteen song ever made on a playlist of like 340 songs and they play less than one second and I can identify wow. what it is. <laughs> wow. uh, so, yeah, a very significant, you know, just the soundtrack of my life and um And I understand the way people are passionate about other things now because I'm passionate about this one. I don't feel like an expert in anything and I feel Mm -hmm. just a teeny (laughs) tiny bit gatekeepy because it's the only thing I actually feel a professed deep knowledge of. Like everything else I I hit a ceiling with and I bump and it's like, yeah, I don't know about that. Like, I don't know (laughs) about whatever the thing I'm passionate about. But with this thing, I'm like, I think I know, you know, 
I know the words to like 200 of these songs. Like I know who joined the band when and in what year. I can identify what year a picture of him was taken based <laughs> on his haircut and the outfits of the band on stage, you know, plus or minus two years. Uh, so it's something that's significant to me, meaningful to me, and has aged with me in a way too. So it's not like I was into whatever, Avril Lavigne in high school, and I still listen to it and I enjoy it, but it's like, oh, the song's aged with me. The way the lyrics were built in, even at a... At the time that I first listened to it when I was 17 or 18 years old, it's like, that means something to me still and different and maybe even better at 32 years old. And I imagine it will at 45, you know, Uh, which some rock songs are not good at that. I think some rock songs that have like country influence where country is very much about like my life sucks (laughs) and I need money and life is hard and my wife doesn't love me. Like that sort of thing that ages with you better, I think, Mm -hmm. than just like, I want to fuck or whatever the song (laughs) is. Although he doesn't really have a song called I Want to Fuck. He could, though. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, I have to cut myself off. I, I'll I just, just want to ask I'll you one more question about... Like, that's enough. That's enough of this. No. Shit. Like, Tap out. Boring. <laughs> um, but, like, I actually like it. I like seeing people that passionate about anything. Like, that's the thing, is it's like, if someone likes a thing, I like it when that person likes the thing, so. It's, it's yeah, and it's fun for, like, for whoever the other artist is or whatever the thing is to, like, yeah, view it or hear it through their lens. Uh, it's always enjoyable. I just didn't think it was possible for me, really, until Bruce. I'm like, I'm not going to ever, I mean, I loved stuff before, but I was like, oh, this is like a kind of freaky finesse. And there's literally people like sad old men who have like dedicated their lives to like, I do the Bruce tour in Asbury park and show you where he wrote this song. You know, I don't want to be like that, but I think as much as you're I, you're not I, close I can, to that at all. No way. Right. It, but it is the only thing in my life where I'm like confident in whatever conversation I'm in. I, I understand on a deeper level, this thing than the other person. It's the only thing in my life. Of, of which that's true. I thought you were going to say whatever conversation I'm in, I could steer it into being about Bruce Springsteen. And I was like, yeah, the <laughs> election was weird. And that's like how Bruce said, you know, <laughs> I was going to like, yeah. Um, one more question about like that though, like is like, what is Bruce like kind of, um, what is Bruce kind of like mean to you? Like specifically, I guess, like what is his, what, what role did, it fill in like a young Kevin's life, basically. Well, it kind of gives you vocabulary for all the regular stuff that you go through as adolescent or as a kid, like dancing in the dark lyrics of just like, what's my place? Who am I? All that stuff. But then also just sort of a roadmap for we were talking or Sean was talking about, um, about like when someone says, you don't know this song or you haven't heard this song. There was a sensation I had when listening to it where, and I may have just through osmosis or just hearing stuff on radio, but there's a sensation I had first listening to it where it's like, I think I've heard all these songs before. It felt like that, even if it wasn't literally true. It's like, oh, the Glockenspiel and She's the One, I feel like I've heard for 20 years and and I'm 17 years old. So why do I feel like that? Actually, let me, let me back it up to this too. I forgot to put this part of the origin story in it, but it, but it is germane. When I was 12 years old, so this is before I got the iPod and got the thing and did the snowball. When I was 12 years old, there was a telethon on PBS, a uh, little fundraiser thing, and they were playing footage from Live in New York City, the concert film that they put out. Why? In, uh, Why? Oh from, no, Don Pardo did not do a guest <laughs> spot. That would have been cool though if they like shared the mic like the Beatles. <laughs> 
No, but from their like uh, the last shows of their reunion tour, ninety nine two thousand, and then they did a ten show run in Madison Square Garden, and they played the song out in the street. I remember watching that in the kitchen of my home on the teeny tiny TV and then playing out in the street and enjoying this band and this music. And I didn't know what it was. I didn't know who they were because there was no identifying anything or like lower third Chiron on it. I was like, wow, this is amazing. And they're having so much fun. I remembered Clarence and Stevie and Patty and Bruce and like, I remember all that. And I remember that impression and the way it felt watching that. And listening to that for the first time. And then I didn't touch it for another five years until I like got the iPod or whatever. But I remember that. And I was like, this feels different. Like I, it it was like falling in love for the first time or something. I was like a 12 year old. And I never experienced music that way, but that was the case. And then it like, you know, fully bloomed later. I didn't, I didn't pursue it after seeing it as a 12 year old kid. Uh, But then I did later. Listening to this record, I was like, Oh my God. Like you can hear his influence into so much of contemporary music. Like, I don't remember what song it was on this album, but I was like, I'm listening to arcade fire right now. Like there's Mm -hmm. like so much current music. That's like probably, um, probably night is very arcade fire. And just like the size of the band and stuff. It's like, there's just, there's just so much. You don't realize how like embedded into the mainstream or the culture that Springsteen is. So, yes. Well, and that was important to me too, uh, in the sense of like kind of the aesthetics and size of the band is that it felt reflective of a reality rather than like so much of like, like the, the rockism ethos and, you know, Robert Chris Gow and Lester Banks deciding what's great and what's not like historically so much of that has been, you know, drug addicts flagrantly mm. not giving a shit on stage. <laughs> like, mm. like it is like the Mick Jagger or Keith Richards hanging a cigarette out of their mouth while they like rip on their guitar. And it's amazing. Bruce's whole thing is like, this is so much work and effort. <laughs> I am sweating for you. Yeah. This is a job I'm showing up for. This is a contract that we have signed and the live shows and the three hour stuff and the marathon legendary things is all just like output of that thing where it's like, this is a bond that we have and I'm going to honor my end of it. Part of the appeal with all these other mm-hmm, artists who is mm-hmm. like, oh, there's a little chaos or like maybe Connor Oberst doesn't show up tonight or, you know, this guy leaves the stage early because he's having an episode or whatever. But yeah, his yeah. thing is like, we're here to like do something. There's like a lot of purpose behind this, which is like professionalism. It feels like religious fervency. And then it's reflected in the band and the fact that there's, you know, at the time, like we were saying, like to have an integrated band and a a black man playing saxophone in it meant something to have Max Weinberg looking (laughs) like a freaking accountant in the band. And then like you got pirate guy, Steven Van Zandt. Like it was just reflective of an actual reality and place that Mm -hmm. people came from rather than like a fantasy of like, maybe you could be a glamorous rock star like me, like the David Bowie thing, which has so much value, but it's just not his thing. You know, I feel like he feels like the best parts of us. His, his stories feel perfect and powerful. Somehow, somehow Springsteen feels good in a place like this. (laughs) Place like this. Yeah, like somehow, yeah. yeah. Not just entertainment, but somehow we come. Yeah, I could see the thing about that, Michael, is that I could see him doing that monologue. Like, I think they, yeah, Nicole that Kidman I and him can feel. share a mic and do the next one next year's AMC. Oh, well, she's a singer. I don't know if you know that, yeah, but she's yeah. a very she's, accomplished she's artist. She's gonna do a really boring impression of Lucille Ball. <laughs> Yeah, not a good oh movie. My God. Anyways, <laughs> no, not a good movie. Not like, a good movie. Hot take, not great. Um, but like, um, 
uh i'll 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 take as long as kevin um basically (laughs) i'm so uh, so sorry for (laughs) monopolizing no i love it i love it we're just gently rippling you yeah um also as long as you are fine to go over we can go anytime great okay (laughs) i don't have anything till 6 p.m pacific standard time let's go (laughs) let's do it live wow (laughs) but like also, the podcast is good when I'm not talking. Um, Andrew, I hate to tell you this, but actually, we're replacing you with Kevin. That's what this episode's about. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I didn't expect it to happen this way, but what an honor for me. Kevin no. reveal party. Kevin reveal party. <laughs> <laughs> That's fine. I like that because that's like which Kevin is it going to be? It's spacey, and then the podcast has to end. We keep interrupting you, Andrew. We only bring him on every Christmas, Kevin. (laughs) Hey, it gets better. Let me be frank. (laughs) I know what you think of this Christmas album. But like, um, I'll be quiet for a little bit now. (laughs) So bad. I like the song usable. Um, So like, it's interesting because I think. Michael was talking a little bit about this, about like um, knowing that he's a funny voice and he's like a straight like it. But like I kind of like I was a comedy fan before I was a music fan. I really like um, appreciated myself into. So like I like my introduction to like following artists was like Childish Gambino and he was like a comedian and like a, uh, you know, an actor, comedy actor. And like I really liked him there on community and TV shows and stuff. And then seeing him, oh, he does musical. And then I followed that. Um, so all my references at the time came from comedy. Like uh, Scott Ackerman did like a bit where he pretended to be Bruce Springsteen doing Chubby Tucker. Like, come on, baby, let's do, let's the, do the twist. twist. Yeah, yeah just, just like ridiculous. It's ridiculous. And then like uh, you know Jimmy Fallon's parody on the Emmys. Uh, I like yeah, you- or, or when he got him to actually do a bit on his show on on his late show, even before the Tonight Show, he got him to. Do a cover of Whip My Hair Back and Forth oh by God, Will of Smith. That's so exhausting. <laughs> Whip my hair. I remember back that. Forth. I remember that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Jimmy Fallon. I know. It sucks that Jimmy became the Bruce Whisperer oh, man, out of all the late 2011. I know. Is that there the relationship? Anyway. Uh, Kevin, can you start a tweet thread getting Jimmy <laughs> Fallon canceled next? I can't. That's not I mean, unfortunately, he is an alcoholic, and it's no. not a good situation, <laughs> so I feel kind of bad. Yeah. <laughs> 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 yeah. So you knew him through the comedy. Andrew, did you see uh, Ben Stiller stuff on him? Because Ben Stiller has, like, a famously great... Bruce, like it's it's really good. Everyone no. does the like, you know, everyone can do that. But uh, Ben Stiller's speaking impression of Bruce yeah. Springsteen is so good. He did a bunch of sketches as him on the Ben Stiller show back in got 1995 it, or whatever. There's Legends of Springsteen. The best, which maybe you should put in here as a clip because it works in audio, is this like 30 second sketch called Counting with Bruce Springsteen <laughs> yeah. that he does. And it's just like, hey, kids, it's time for counting with Bruce Springsteen. And it's one, two, three, four, ha, he, he, ha, he, he, And it's just that for like 25 numerals. What did I get up to? All right. Incredible. So a, a recommendation. So you knew him through comedy. I knew him through comedy. I knew him from your impression of him and stuff like that from your shows. And uh, I also like. It got to the point where, like, before I listened to any album of his, um, 
actually wrote like a spec script for like a Disney show oh. at, which had like a Bruce Springsteen parody in it. And it was called like born to wear pants or whatever. And I was like, uh, I like my pants dead of me. If you don't like them, you're my enemy. <laughs> I, I like, I wrote like, a, but like, I knew it like, yeah. Besides plugging myself, the idea of I, I knew it. I absorbed it enough to like make a parody song that like, made sense you know. to Bruce Springsteen fans yeah. and non-Bruce Springsteen fans. Yes. There, there's touchstones where it's like, okay, he's Mr. Americana. He loves cars. He is... Gotta a say kid. Yes. He, he's got... Right. Hey, kiddo. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Mr. Uh, he, you know, he, he, he dresses down. He's, uh, he feels accessible. That's his sort of aesthetic. Um, and, and his sort of like authenticity and gruffness. Yeah. Like, so those are all like very familiar. If you were to do a starter mm. pack of his music, that would kind of right. be it. And maybe like some piano, right. piano led rock would be a part of it too. as like an easy touchstone. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Andrew, in that in that spec script, did he put on so, a blonde wig and was called Spruce Springsteen and no one knew it was actually him the whole time? It, it was close. <laughs> My parody guy was Bryce Boingstrong because like, you know, kids Bryce shows, they like, you know, change the names and stuff. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, like so. That was my history with him. And then, but I remember my boss when I was living in New Jersey, not the boss, boss. but a boss. Um, I remember like (laughs) (laughs) the boss. Um, But like, I remember like asking, (laughs) I remember like he was talking about Bruce Springsteen and he was like, oh man, you got to listen to Born to Run. And then uh, the river, I don't remember the order, but like the river and then, uh, you know, this divorce album. And then he did this and like, then he kind of went back to his roots with like born in the USA and stuff like that. I was like, Oh, he's an artist. He's like a real like artist guy. He's like, a, and I love Cronall. I love like someone who has this like long body career. Like I would love to do more episodes on him. Like maybe dedicate a month to like some of his albums and stuff like that. Well, listen, I'm, I'm here. I have nothing to do <laughs> but talk about this. I would be yeah, doing this like, anyway. It's yeah. just the mic happens to be on right now. You just right. do this alone in your apartment, like just to the wall. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. To your Fully. Dog. And my dog Dexter's just like, I know I can't have like, before. <laughs> Jeez. And the thing, the thing that you're describing, Andrew, is like probably the way with it with whatever the cultural object is like everyone has this thing of like i have the basic premise of it in these surface level aesthetics and with bruce it would be the height of his fame and popularity being 1984 1985 born in the usa well i don't even know what the equivalent would be now it would be like peak i don't even i don't even know but it was just like global smash phenomena millions and millions of copies sold touring the world, all sold out shows. And his aesthetic at the time was as a beefy, muscular Americana person. Yeah. He looked like Rambo, and which up to that point, he was pretty lithe and skinny and right. kind of uh, in the seventies, he was more of a beatnik. He has like, he's like early 80s. Keanu where he has like five strands of handsomeness, like over the years and stuff like yes. that, you know? Yes. Fully. But because of like, even just that aesthetic of like, he looks like Sylvester Stallone in this movie and he's screaming about the USA. People did kind of apply. Oh yeah. He's like rah, rah America guy. And he screams a lot, you know, when, and then you, like anything you get into it and it's like, Oh no, he's odd. He's, he's poetic. His first couple of albums were like kind of Van Morrison ripoffs and Dylan ripoffs and, and he's, you know, some of his stuff is yeah. kind of queer coded in a way. Mm-hmm. And some of his stuff is very sensitive mm-hmm. and some of his stuff is like very 
you know, strikingly lefty in parts. And, and there's just a lot to uncover there while all those things being true at the same time. I know, I know we have a lot to get to still, but we haven't even like talked about the podcast he's doing now. Have you listened to the podcast at all? He, here's, here's the thing I'll say about his career too. That's so appealing to me and just his life is like, he kind of, you know, he's turning 73 in three months, uh, <laughs> you know, September 23rd, 1949. And, uh, he, the day after my mom's birthday, is that true? She's not turning 73, but the, yeah, her birthday is December, <laughs> September 22nd. Right. Well, we'll have to a throw them party? a joint party. Yeah, my mom will love that. <laughs> Your mom's not into Bruce at all. <laughs> and you thought, okay. She really does. <laughs> Don't listen to this mom. Sorry. <laughs> we implied you might smoke weed on your birthday. Do not listen. I actually don't know if Bruce smokes. This is an interesting train of thought. He drinks, but he never did drugs. He never did cocaine. He never did heroin. He didn't get into the stuff Sounds that like a lot a of his bandmates got into. Loser. Yeah, because he's a loser. No, because he was like really intense. He's like, I have a purpose. I have something to do. You know, like he was so he was he was a weirdo. He was like not fun, I think, in a lot of ways when he was off stage and very, very introverted. But but part of the appeal I think with like the age gap where it's like having, you know, like this uh, rock star, any like icon to look up to where there's like a 40 year age gap is like, man, he did it. He kind of did the thing. He like stayed central to culture yes. in a way that didn't seem thirsty. And he maintained this long career. He, he, mm -hmm. with, he upheld the promise to his audience, continued to make new music, explore himself, return to some of the same old stuff and then go new places. He had the family that he wanted to have. He's like a boring dad with three kids and, and his wife, who's also in the band. And it's like, he kind of did it. it sans much scandal at all. And the most scandal he probably endured is like some cheating in 1988. And then only recently with like the Jeep white nationalism commercial he did for the Super Bowl last year and the Obama podcast, which I don't I don't love. But I will say, Andrew, like the or, or whoever brought it up, the the Obama podcast was not what I wanted. <laughs> Unfortunately, it was two older men protecting institutions, reading their audio books at each other is what it felt like to okay. me. Any celebrity like real celebrity podcast. Like, sorry, that sounds like a knock, but it's not like it, like it's like do you, do you listen to who weekly? Yeah, I love those guys. Yeah, okay. I haven't listened okay. in a while, okay. Okay. but yeah, I love yeah. Lindsay and Bobby. Yeah. Okay. If they're it, like Lindsay and Bobby, anyone they talk about, in my opinion, can host a podcast that I'd be somewhat interested in listening to. If right. you're above that threshold, if you're like a, a like if Brad Pitt had a podcast, it'd be the worst <laughs> podcast in the world. Right. It'd be noted to death. It would it, it would be not interesting. Mm -hmm. it, I don't it's like the same, of course, with Obama and Bruce Springsteen. Of course, that's not going to be yeah. interesting, you know? Yeah, I mean, and, and the the problem with with Obama is that he, he has too much fealty to the institution right, that made right. him. And it's just the thing we all go through where it's like whatever the germ of like idealism is kind of gets snuffed out by the power they receive and then the kind of lifelong loyalty to like. Because at the end of the day, it's all going to be, you know, America's got right. problems, but she's still great. You right. know, like it's still that where it's like we got a lot of work to do, <laughs> yeah, but yeah, it's yeah. not actually confronting anything. But you're right. Like whenever there is a celebrity podcast, yeah. there's too much to protect to have a genuinely authentic conversation. I will say, though, to specifically your example of Brad Pitt, I was very charmed by his WTF interview that he did with Leo back when they were doing the Once Upon a Time wow. circuit. And they did with Mayor and they sat down together. 
The thing that struck me as funny is like Leo seemed fine and polite, but Brad seemed really cool and really fun. And he told Marin, yeah, I've watched Marin three times. I love your show. It's my go to <laughs> comfort cool. show. And I'm like, I don't know anyone who no. watches Marin. And Brad Pitt watched it three so, times. <laughs> also, guess, but yeah. I think it's like if it's like Brad Pitt's yeah. podcast, does that make sense? Like, I think a good host can pull stuff out of him. Yeah. But like, yeah, yes. yeah. like uh, the best example of this is like Anna Ferris, who's just like the least generous interviewer in the world as oh, far no. as like, <laughs> like vulnerability. Like, and her show's good. And I'm sure there's like parts of it that are valuable. But if you listen to it, there's no insight to any emotional reality. And I'm sure that's like just damage control by having been married to the most famous Republican movie star alive currently, you know, but it's, yeah. There's you, put no, him in, you put him in the Mario movie. Why are you complaining? Like, and I do it again. I don't regret it for a second. <laughs> On that note, let's take a quick break. Click. Welcome back to I Haven't Mean to Listen to That, the podcast where you go through albums you haven't mean to listen to. And he's always kind of enjoying everybody. Uh, welcome back. Welcome back to this show. Welcome back to this, whatever. Who cares? Um, so let's go. <laughs> whatever. Wow. Who cares? Perfect intro. Uh, hey, everybody. We're back. Uh, let's talk about themes of uh, Born to Run. So this is the album we um, just decided to cover. Um, what, Kevin, let's start with you. Like, what do you think this album is about? About? Well, I do this thing that we all probably do with whatever the cover of an album is. You just kind of associate yeah, it with yeah. that for the rest of your uh, life when you visualize it. So this does feel like a black and white movie. And the way Bruce has described it in the past is that it's like, it all takes place on one long, hot summer night. It's like the end wow. of summer. And so that plus the evocation of black and white imagery and him leaning on Clarence, his bandmate, um, yeah, that kind of puts that into mind. It feels like the end of summer. It feels like, you know, everything happened. It, it's sweaty and it feels angsty and it feels uh, full of drive and the sort of thing, you know, a very adolescent concern of we, we got to get out of this place. There's something yeah. more down the road. Where are we going? And, and breaking out and breaking free. So it feels like that. And it feels like a lot of um, liberty in that sense. Yeah, I definitely got like last night of like senior year before everyone totally. goes to college. Like, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah, we got yeah. one last shot or whatever, you know. Yeah, and kind of being in love too. I think mm -hmm. some of his most romantic songs are on this. Yeah. There's a thing he does that a lot of singers do. Like Bowie would do this. He would sing in these different cadences of like he would do mm -hmm. a Cockney thing and then he would do like, you know, like he would <laughs> he would he would adapt different like styles for things. And, f and for this one and a little bit in on the next album after this, too, he's kind of doing a Roy Orbison impression on a lot of yeah. songs okay, that okay. is like somewhat put upon and somewhat naturalistic. And then when it's performed live over the years, Depending on the, what the tour is or what the show is, he'll like drop or do or not do. But the, you know, where it's like very throaty and very like full hearted. That's a Roy Orbison thing, which he name checks and clocks in the first song. Roy Orbison singing for the lonely. Now, fun fact about that. Roy Orbison plays a significant role in my family's history because Roy Orbison, uh, born and raised in Texas. He was in my grandfather's elementary school class and my grandfather did spank him. When he was a child. <laughs> so Roy Orbison of Pretty Woman and Crying and, you know, legendary singer-songwriter, Dream Baby, 
was spanked by my grandfather <laughs> and used to uh, babysit my mom. It, it well. really wow. makes you think, would he have made all that beautiful art if he wasn't spanked by your grandfather? <laughs> I mean, the legend goes before the spanking, he was like, hi, my name's Roy. And then post-spanking, he's like, oh, you know. <laughs> that was him. So, so we owe all of this album to my grandfather. I guess is what I'm saying. <laughs> Thanks, spanking. Uh, like, so, like, so it sounds like the legend of this album a little bit is. I don't, I didn't do a lot of research because I knew Kevin would know most of it. Um, but like the idea, yeah, I'll just tell you. I didn't yeah. re-listen to this before. I haven't listened to a single song from this in wow. two weeks. I can tell you everything about him. <laughs> But like the idea of like, um, what's it called? Like, um, born to run the song was like his last ditch effort to like, kind of stay on the label basically. Right. Yeah. Basically his mm. career was in a bad spot. He put out two albums. They signed him as a solo artist, even though when he toured, it was Bruce Springsteen, the E street band Mm -hmm. and his first two albums full of great songs. His second album is my favorite one, I think, but, uh, wasn't doing anything radio wise or airplay wise. And then it was, yeah, sort of a last ditch effort of like, okay, let me put everything everywhere all at once, honestly, what? like into this one song. It was a maximalist approach that was kind mm-hmm. of aping the techniques of uh, the beloved Phil, Phil Spector, Spector yeah. who we continue <laughs> to respect and adore to this oh, day. Great guy. And the sort of like be my baby wall of sound pop aesthetics applied to rock and sort of um Dwayne Eddy is that the guitar player the the really low guitar string playing I think that's that's mm. the name of it where it's like like the the riff of Born to Run is and you hear like a lot of the lower end of the guitar in Thunder Road and other songs so yeah it was kind of that effort and that song was recorded before all the others so that was with a different drummer that was not with Max Weinberg that was with a guy named Ernest Boom Carter uh, who's a black drummer and Max on like oh, cool. the documentary for the albums. Like there's a fill in the bridge that Ernest did that I can't do. I tried to do it for 30 years and I can't do whatever <laughs> that fill is. Um, didn't it take him like, it took him like six months to do that song. Didn't yes. it? Yeah. That's why. Yes. And yeah. you can hear like alt versions of it and alt mixes of like leaked and been bootlegged out on the internet. And, and, and this is the time of his life where he was, you know, a insane showman, like intersectional, like with kind of James Brown sort of, yeah, um, yeah, sort of sensibility when he would do his live shows. But in the studio, he was Mr. Intense. We have shit to do, guy. And so he would just make people again and again and again and again until he got what he wanted. Like the Jungle Land solo, he made Clarence play like 20 something times, like 16 before, hours. Yeah. Yeah. Before they got it note for note perfect. Um, yeah, so so that was a part of it. So Born to Run comes out, that does good radio play. The album comes out and does well. And then the tour is what really, you know, kind of clinches it. He goes over to London for the first time. He has a legendary run of shows at the Bottom Line, which was a venue in New York City at the time. And it kind of um, cements his reputation and then allows him the capital to keep going. Even though... I think if I'm remembering correctly, the band was not in profit until 1980 until like the river tour. So they were like, you know, even with the, you know, with touring and great sales and stuff because of the deals he made and he made a real bad deal with his manager at the time that he fired before the next album. Like they didn't, they didn't make that much money. You know, they lived and they could make their albums, but it wasn't until the river and then, and then before the born in the USA tour where they made a shit ton of money 
but then Steve Van Zant leaves right before the tour starts. He's like, I'm going to do my own thing. And then he would have been a millionaire from that, from that tour, unfortunately. But, but yes, yes, this was sort of like the make or break point. Like if this doesn't do well, you might not have a career or the career you want. So there was a lot riding on it. So there's that sense of like metatextual drama going into the album. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So which leads into like my, not to get too Kevin core a little bit, like the idea of, oh, this is the Muppet movie a little bit. This is like kind of um, the Thunder Road's like the call to adventure, him leaving the swamp or whatever. And then mm -hmm. he like goes along on this road trip and meets a lot of friends and like gets the E Street band together. Like um, Clarence Clemens is fuzzy. <laughs> Uh, Miss, she's the ones about Miss Piggy and stuff like that. Furious and, about this metaphor right now. I'm absolutely fucking. And like the, the E Street Band is Electric Mayhem and stuff like that. Steven Van Zandt like, is Gonzo. He is Gonzo. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Little Steven. There's no one else that it could be. So, but like taking that aside, like putting that like silly metaphor aside, like the idea is, oh, it's a road trip kind of thing. And then at the end, it's kind of like this darker contemplative thing of just like, man, this is where we're from and stuff like that. So mm -hmm. that's mm -hmm. kind of like my impression of it. And like the idea of like, we're going to follow our, follow our dreams. I got this car. You got my guitar. I got my girl. We're going to drive mm -hmm. to the unknown. We're going to drive to the end of, edge of town to see if there's a better life, basically. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Which is like, that's and then it ends it. with death in the streets. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> On, the on the album, the yeah. movie ends. Like, right. um, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. With Piggy dying in Kermit's arms, if I remember correctly. Uh, and yeah, they, they took an approach. I think that was called like the four corners because, mm -hmm. you know, this was a vinyl album coming out. So there was, you know, side A, side B of both of the, the vinyl discs, the, the, the vinyls themselves. And so he wanted to structure it where it's like, the beginning and end of each side is a is a big moment. So that's mm. the four corners sort of thing where it's like it starts with Thunder Road side. The first side ends with Born to Run then it begins with Backstreets and ends with Jungle Land um, for the next side, uh, which, you know, those are the four strongest, I think, on the album, yeah, at least yeah, for I me. Or maybe maybe Tenth Avenue freeze out. I don't know. People Tenth love Avenue that song. Is so fucking good. That's the, yeah. one of the best songs in the world. But what's uh, funny too, like, and what's funny about like revisiting this album or listening to it again is like, for I think most people who are into him in this like significant way, that's like less more than casual, is that the albums kind of exist as like little blueprints for whatever it's going to sound like live. You know, and so many oh. people are not as good live. So many artists or groups are like. You know, it sounds really good on the album. It sounds pretty good live. We're like, mm -hmm. but his to me is always it always sounds twenty times better live than it does yeah. in the studio. Cause you and and the studio is good for what it is, but I hear the artifice, I hear what he's going for in terms of like, you know, what his mindset was at the time. It it doesn't feel as like fluid and alive to me as it does either when you're hearing it out loud in the same room as him or like listening to a live recording where it just feels like expansive and full in a way where the album stuff, especially on this one and the next couple of albums feels smaller than it actually does live. That's the thing when you're trying, when you're so like precise about things, it does kind of cut out that, that live like freedom and expression and, and feel yeah. for sure. But Th that's absolutely right. And that's why his last album he put out letter to you back in, in 2020 sounded so good. Cause it was the first one they had done in like 30 or 40 years where they just 
played at the same time mm-hmm. and they were like oh let's all get in a room and then they recorded in like three days yeah. rather than like a million overdubs and let's yeah, have this guy yeah, in atlanta yeah. do a thing where it's just like let's just play and then that's the album you know wow. and just kind of like a not he's gotten less fussy and less um nitpicky as he's gotten older which is yeah a good thing. i agree uh, whereas I agree, like yeah. back in the day he's 25 when he writes and records this exactly, stuff exactly yeah and he has all the arrogance and like bravado of a 25 year old where it's like, no, we have to do it this way. And this is what's right. And we have to work and it's life and death. And it's good in some ways. But then it's like, chill out as you get older, yeah, you know, it, it's like more is at stake back then, too. You know? Oh, yeah, totally. Because he's fighting for his life. And now he's sure. like, I guess it'd be fun to do this. Sure. Why not? Kevin, what, what would you like to talk about next? Would you like to talk about highlights or lowlights first? There's no lowlights. This, <laughs> this is no the thing about... I mean, may, I don't know. I, is there a song any of y'all like, were like, ugh, this sucks. I, 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 no, I was going to say, I kind of agree. I was like, I don't know how to find, there are songs I like more than others, but I don't think there's any like, you know, there's Yeah, no, I don't think there's a bad song. I think the only ones like, uh, that's like not even low light, just like, oh, this is track seven is, uh, Meeting, meeting across the yeah, river, basically. You know who disagrees with you, though? You? Edward Norton. <laughs> <laughs> Edward Norton is a huge Bruce Springsteen fan, and he has cited in multiple interviews, uh, <laughs> he, he put out that movie Motherless Brooklyn, and then for some reason, reason Bruce did a write-up of like, Motherless Brooklyn is one of the best <laughs> films I've seen all year. I'm like, there's some sort of simpatico going yeah. here, on here. But in an interview years ago, he said, meeting across the river is a perfect song. It's everything I want to do in capturing a movie. And it does it so economically mm-hmm. in like however long it is, three, three and a half, l- less than four minutes in the time of that song. The drama, the characterization, the economy of language is so good. And it's such a, yeah, good, good lead up to, to the finale. I saw that, I think I've seen all of these. Yes, I have seen all of these performed live, mm-hmm. I believe. Um, definitely, obviously, Thunder Road and Born to Run. Born to Run is the one song he'll play every single show mm-hmm. that he does. Fantastic. With the E Street Band. Duh. Like, but like, it's like, that's great. That's lovely. Because if you're going to Bruce Springsteen, you want that. Like, that's like. That's the altar uh, call. Well, that's the yeah. one where like, with the, whatever, it really is spiritual. Uh, like, whatever the arena or stadium is, they'll turn every light possible on. And so everyone can see everyone at the same time. And it's just That's like rules. And it's, uh, you know, it's like basic. I'm just this white guy talking about like, and then he turns the lights on for Born <laughs> to Run. But like, it's very meaningful. And I have like, I remember he'll do this thing where he'll come down to the front row and then give his guitar, like while he's holding it and playing it, he'll like, if I'm him and then, you know, this is me, like he'll hold it like this and then let us like strum it like that. So I've done that. Two or three times That's during so his cool. guitar, during during that Born rules. to Run. Uh, yeah, so it's like his, yeah, it, it'll be the first line of his obituary, the man who wrote Born to Run. Um, uh, uh, yeah, so it's like it's his signature thing. Um, but I I think my favorite, uh, for like personal reasons, my favorite song on the album is Backstreets. That is a Ooh. song that's aged very well for me. It's my favorite lyric writing of his, I think. Maybe his his best lyrics ever. Because this is like the mm-hmm. intersection of he gets more and more sparse and pared down as he goes. Like something like Nebraska, which he puts on 1982, is just like like 
fully economical, like Flannery O'Connor core, just like a little short story every time. And there's like 20 things happening in five words, but this is still like a little flowy and a little of like the old Dylan thing that he got pegged for at the time. And lines like one soft infested summer, me and Terry became friends trying in vain to breathe the fire we was born in. That's ah, a song. So good. You know, <laughs> Yeah. Uh, and every line of it, I just think is, is perfect. And it's so like romantic and he's using more words than he needs to, but it does remind you of that feeling of being in love, uh, you know, at that time or whatever the age is. And the, the, the key thing for me with the song and the way it's aged, and this is sort of like, there's this whole interrogation of his work from like a, a an angle of queerness is that Terry is like a, a gender neutral name. Mm-hmm. Like he is in love with Terry. Terry is a boy. Terry's a girl. Terry could be this girl he knew. Terry could be Stephen Van Zandt. Like, and he continues to do that in other songs. Like, uh, you know, Bobby Jean is another one from Born in the USA where it's like, I miss you. I love you. Good luck. Goodbye. Bobby Jean could be a man or a woman. And then, of course, Streets of Philadelphia it deals with, you know, queer themes more explicitly. Um, but I, I love it for that reason. That song has aged very well with me in every period of my life. And it's still the one that's still, woo, like has a, a, a quite a, an emotional punch to it. But it really is like, it is so funny. I feel like I'm talking about the Bible right now where I'm like, of course this verse is meaningful and we all know to love thy neighbor and blah, blah, blah. Like it feels yeah, yeah, that, yeah. <laughs> that mythic to me. Um, to me, like, honestly, like the, um, whether it's like a queer love story or whether it's a woman or whether it's like a friendship ode, it doesn't really matter to me. It's like kind of more. I, I remember being young. I remember feeling like this, you know, that, and that that's universal. And like, it could be, you can, I think it's beautiful that people can, um, supplement, make it supplement, make that song supplementary basically to mean what it needs to mean for you. You know, I think that rules. And it's just, it's so hard to write something that ages well, that isn't like, you know, five years later, but you know, he, he builds it into a set like in thunder road, uh, one of the first lines in the verse is, uh, you know, so you're scared and thinking that maybe we're not that young anymore, which is so funny to sing at 25, right. cut to <laughs> a stadium full of 60 year olds being like, maybe we ain't that young <laughs> anymore, you know? And in Rosalita, he says, someday we'll look back on this and it'll all seem funny. So there was like this, uh, like metatextual self-awareness, even at the time, I want this to age with the audience or that's wow. what feels good to me to do. Agreed. I was about to say all that. Cool. <laughs> I know. I'm sorry. I feel like I'm filibustering or something because I'm like, and another thing about these two lyrics is that, you know. Well, I, I make fun of myself on this too. And sometimes my takes are literally like, this song sound good. Mm, love. This song bad. Not good. Sound bad. So I know. Well, I do appreciate the context. I know. It, well, and the context for for all of you is, is coming to this new and sort of like examining it at this point in your life and seeing like how it fits in, what resonates, what doesn't, what's enjoyable, what's not enjoyable. And then for me, it's like I'm I'm talking about someone I've known for 15 years. You know, like it, right, right. it is such a different relationship of like. Okay, how does the line like, you know, uh, 
blame it on the lies that killed us or the truth that ran us down. Blame it all on me, Terry. It don't matter to me now. When the breakdown hit at midnight, there was nothing left to say, but I hated him and I hated you when you ran away. How does that feel in 2022 as opposed to how <sighs> you felt it thinking about this person in 2011 or feeling this way about this thing in 2015? I'm going back to these different points in my life. And this is yeah. all just like the tra- nostalgia trap stuff. But I would like to think I have the object- objectivity to be like, yeah, this this is not hidden so much. There's certainly <laughs> Springsteen songs I'm like, man, I was really into that. I don't I don't like that one anymore. This sucks, <laughs> you know, like <laughs> some of his later stuff, like Working on a Dream. But a lot totally. of this stuff is just like built for a long time. These songs are, so it's 1975. Some of these songs are almost 50 years old. You know, like it's been a long time. I, I don't know that there's anything wrong with and I I I, I love like well, nostalgia done well. That. Do you know what I mean? And I yeah, I, I think yeah. I, I am a huge fan of like ironic distance. And I think there's something so mm-hmm. compelling about how this like this can feel this feels like it's really contemporary and it can feel really visceral, but it does also feel I think like increasing, I don't know, like there's something about the simultaneous, uh, 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 like ironic distance working at the same time as like visceral feeling. And I think is really compelling about this too. Yeah. Well, yeah. yeah. And you land on a good point because there's almost like a, a mechanism of nostalgia built into it. That's not even just us talking about 50 years later, but at the time in 1975, it was a little counterintuitive to have your rock album be piano and saxophone based. That was a throwback to like mm. 10, 15, 20 years ago, even yeah. at the time he's dressed like a greaser on yeah. the, on the cover and like a leather yeah. jacket. And, and Clarence has he's his hot like, on the cover. What's I'm going to give him a call. He's hot on this cover. He's so like, there's like 75 yeah. Springsteen gang is just like a different kind of vibe. Like, there's like photos I of him holding his guitar, like down by his crotch. Like, and I'm, it's very yeah. phallic. And I'm like, I'm getting hot over here. Like, <laughs> yeah. There's a lot there. Like whatever you, you land on the Kinsey spectrum, there's a Bruce for you. That's yeah. for Bruce sure. For you. I love that. Yeah. Cause this is like the shaggy dog. He has the long hair and he's kind of like a beatnik, little poet guy walking around the streets of New York city. And then in 78, he becomes like all business. He gets a real tight haircut and it's just like there to do something. And he's like very purposeful. But uh, yeah, this is back in the time when his shows were like soul reviews. They would go on forever. They played so fast. He, he called it later like it was like punk soul, the things that we were trying to play because the tempos are so fast. And Max Weinberg actually kind of was not that good as a drummer at first. And then he got better. Mm. <laughs> uh, any other lowlights from this album? Like any like from the uh, three of you, like any songs that are like. I. I kind of sometimes don't remember night that much. Like I'm looking at the album track list. Like I listen to this as a whole. Two great songs. Right, right. Because yeah. <laughs> I loved Hit That New Freeze Out and I love Backstreets. And then I'm like, I'm like right now I'm looking at it. And I'm like, I would have to play night to remember how it goes. You know what I mean? And I've listened to this like eight times now. So I don't know. It's still like, that's kind of the like curse of this record to me is that these songs do, they all, and maybe it's just because I've only listened to it like twice, but it mm-hmm. is hard to like remember how some of these songs go, but it's such a fun listen all the way through that. Like, I don't. And it's short. It's not exceedingly long, which is nice. Okay. So let's move on to highlights. Uh, yeah. We talked about one. We talked about, um, what's it called? Uh, you know, Backstreets. Um, uh, Sean, what's a highlight for you? I mean, right out the gate, Thunder Road is just Thunder like, Road, that's my, that's my, that's yeah. my favorite one. That's, <laughs> that's my favorite a journey. One. Yeah. It's. <laughs> Wait, 
boy. I do love that he was like, I, re- I read where he was like, yeah, we went out to write a guitar album, ended up making a piano album or something like that. <laughs> he wrote the whole thing on piano. He wrote it on an upright piano yeah. in this little wow. house that you can buy, or it was on the market recently in, in New Jersey, somewhere the, near the like... UPC, uh, B? The, the, the upright piano brigade yeah, <laughs> yeah it was the up <laughs> b the upright piano brigade thank, yeah. thank I was you like for struggling the... to find the last letter i was like the up brigade b b <laughs> like, <it's> like, <laughs> oh my god that was worth interrupting <laughs> <laughs> Make this the cutout clip on social media yeah <laughs> oh my god <laughs> Yeah, yeah so he wrote it on piano. That's great. I thought Andrew cut out and I missed the funny part of his joke. <laughs> so one thing that was fun about when I first started seeing him live in 2007, and the reason people see him so much is that when he does a tour, it's not like there's a fixed set and that's the set of the tour and then maybe one or two songs are different the odds are that it will be vastly different from night to night. So he'll open mm. with a different oh, thing, close with a different thing. Awesome. The encores will be different. At one point, at several points in the last couple of tours, he's had, he'll write out the set list for every show and then have like four question mark slots that he'll Incredible. write down and he'll like collect signs from the audiences and see if he can play them, like whatever the request is. That, or maybe it's a cover so they've nice. never done before or whatever. But what's so fun and so appealing and the reason people see him over and over again is because there's maybe one or two songs that are a little more rare that aren't the first greatest hits or something he plays frequently that they want to catch. So every time that you go, it's like, maybe tonight will be the night he plays Backstreets. Maybe tonight will be the night he mm-hmm. plays Meeting Across the River. And so I have emblazoned in me, like, I know the exact show I saw Thunder Road at for the first time. I know the exact show I saw 10th oh. Avenue at. I know the uh. exact show I saw Meeting Across the River going into Jungle Land at. You know, like, those are very visceral memories and feelings for me. And it's so fun. And it is like the... Spontaneous energy of music not only being performed, but being made. Uh, it's unpretentious to be like, what do you guys want to hear me play? Like, you came to hear yeah. me play this. Like, I don't know. That That's fun, you know? And yeah. that's kind of the thing I respond to. I'm, I mean, I'm sure he has a huge freaking ego. He's, you know, it, it would mess with anyone's head to play for this many not people me, and have baby. people. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> except for Andrew. <laughs> but, you know, but there is at least the illusion of authenticity and the fact that, like, he just kind of walks around in, in New Jersey and goes to the beach by himself and gets hot dog. Like, and that was a concerted effort thing of like, he saw his friends lose their minds. He, you know, yeah. he saw Michael Jackson. He saw like the worst of like what could happen to a person's identity. And I think he made a concerted effort of like, I'm going to be grounded because this is important that I'm still a part of the world and, you know, have security when I need to, but, but like that I'm still in my community that I can still go out, that I can still be a person. This is really about born to run anymore. It's just about how awesome he is. <laughs> well, I was gonna say, would we say he's like the male Dolly Parton where like everyone loves him? I, I think he has more commitment to his artistry though than Dolly. I think like lately. I also would say Dolly is, I also would say that Dolly is very um, Dolly. The image is very like contrived, right? Dolly's public face is very, it's a totally put on, you know what I mean? Well, and, and Dolly is like famously nonpartisan. Like, Oh, sure. 
That's when, true. when Jane Fonda or Lily Tomlin are like, fuck Donald Trump. And she's like, well, okay. You know, like she, <laughs> she, <laughs> yeah, truly. And, and like, you know, she was like, yeah. I love my gay audience and yeah. I think everyone deserves prayer or whatever. And Bruce is like, I'm campaigning for Obama. Right. He's my best friend, you <laughs> know? Right. Right. So that's even a different thing, but there is similarity in the sense of, I think they're continuing longevity. Like you can't overstate that. Like people talk about Dolly Parton, not dissimilar to the way they probably talked about her 30 or 40 years ago. That's crazy. Like Mm -hmm. there's going to be so few people from this time now that that's true of in like 2062, you know, they just had, they just had on drag race last night, a night of a thousand Dolly Partons where everyone (laughs) dressed up as Dolly Parton and they lip sync to, uh, why'd you come in here looking like that? Yeah. Yeah. Which is like, and everyone knows that song. Like the people I was watching it with were like singing along and I'm like, why do we all know this song? Like, yeah. this is an iconic artist, you know? <laughs> also, like, Bruce no. doesn't have an NFT, I don't think. Um, but, like, <laughs> that's true. That's Never true. Never too late. Never too late. <laughs> I, he, did, I, he did sell his catalog, though, which is something you've probably seen a oh. lot of, like, legacy artists do, like, uh, gosh, who did it recently? I think Neil Young did it for, like, $100 million. Are you asking for the Bruce versions of each of these albums? <laughs> Bruce's version from the vault. <laughs> no, the the opposite. He was like, Sony, you can do whatever you want. Because famously he was like pretty protective of like, no, you can't use Born in the USA in a Ford commercial. Yeah. And now it's not his call, it's Sony's. So you get like Sean Mendez doing a Levi's commercial <laughs> while singing Dancing in the Dark, which is oh. nothing that I want. Uh, <laughs> no, no hate or disrespect. <laughs> that just really made me. I was having a great time this episode. That really bummed me out. I'll, I'll, I'll watch Sean Mendez, I guess, if I have to. If he's shirtless, oh if I have to, I'll Can't look at it. I'll see it. <laughs> Can't start a fire with him. <laughs> Some people like him. It reminds me like when like Justin Bieber did like Fast Car, like a cover of that. It was like the worst thing ever. The Tracy Chapman. Yeah. Yes. yes. You were. <laughs> yeah. Like didn't know that yeah. existed. Not to, really not to like mitigate, now. not to like, you know, downplay his struggles in real life and stuff like that, but they're different experiences. Ugh. Yeah. Justin Bieber and um, Tracy Chapman. No way. Yeah, in my opinion. <laughs> so so did um did Jungle Land feel kind of Broadway to you guys? That's the other I thing. Yeah. It. I what? like that it felt kind of Broadway. The saxophone solo in the middle of uh Jungle Land, like if it was if it was in a Broadway play, it would be the time where they would like Bruce would do a costume change or something like that. He would like run out, like, we got we got a band, we got yeah. overtime. But it's awesome. It rules. It's yeah. like the part I look forward to the most of that. If it was song. in a Broadway show, it would be half the length than it is on the yeah. album. <laughs> <laughs> and also whatever. Overtime, like my zipper yeah, yeah. stuck. Yeah, like, yeah, filter time, filter time. <laughs> I think the Thunder Road is my highlight. I just want to talk about it really briefly. Um, the it's the call to adventure song. It's just like uh it's the the writing is so incredible like every line is good but also every line builds the story yeah. and pushes the pushes has a great forward momentum um he does pronounce chevrolet chevrolet or whatever something weird mm-hmm. um i used to participate in this bruce Springsteen message board called backstreets which is cool. good <laughs> and i got a lot of tickets that way because people would never scalp them they would always Whoa. sell them for face value or less or for free it's really nice, but there was a, a thread of misheard oh. Bruce lyrics and uh, like things you think he's singing, but he's actually not. And for uh, for Thunder Road, in the skeleton frames of burnt out Chevrolets, someone said, "I thought he said they lie in the skeleton frames." A corn dog shouted, "Hey!" 
What, who, is it, who posted that? Scott Ackerman? Know, doesn't it sound like that? I know. That's so funny. A corn dog What's shout up, corn today. Dog? Enunciation, not a strong suit. Yeah. But yeah, that's that, that's the one that's so like bracingly romantic. Um, actually, the the big speaking of misheard lyrics, the big the big debate over that one is the screen door slams. Mary's dress does what? Waves uh, or sways? Sways. 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 Because I think sways. That's been the big debate. I actually forget which one it is now. Sways versus ways, but <laughs> I read it on Genius, so th- that could be wrong though. So like, okay, yeah. Uh, so his manager John Landau said the word is sways, but I think he's he's saying it both ways over <laughs> the years. Yeah, he's yeah. doing the blue dress, uh, the blue dress pronunciation, <laughs> kind of. Where, yeah, it, it's yeah. like the gold blue dress. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like yeah, or Laurel. What was the other one? Yanny, Yanny Laurel. Yanny Laurel. Good grief. What a moment in time. That would be a better joke to make, Kevin, than the one that I did. <laughs> no, they were both equally good. Uh, the first time I, I saw this performed, it was in Omaha, Nebraska. And he does a thing of if anyone comes to visit him at the show, he feels compelled as a polite host to invite them out on stage for a number. So unfortunately, no. the first time I saw him play Thunder Road was as a duet with a very drunk Connor Oberst. From Bright Eyes. Uh, uh, <laughs> I know. It, it wasn't what you wanted. And then I saw him do it, you know, a bunch of other times. Regular and good. Yeah, and, and like, well, I know. It was a funny Let me see this in a regular way. <laughs> yeah, I know. It was just like Connor's just stumbling around the stage with a tambourine. Mm. It wasn't what you want. But I love the sort of, um, the sort of like adult romance of this where it's like, hey, you got a screen door. Hey, we're not kids anymore. Also, you're not a beauty, but you're all right. Like, yeah. Just, yeah. I feel like that's the one line he could have like kept to himself. You're not as hot as I thought you were. I love but that. So like, I'm gonna say that at 25 too. Right. Like, what the fuck? That's the, like, <laughs> that's the thing that they have that like joking aroundness with each other, right? That they can. Oh, like, yeah, yeah. I, I like that read better. Hey, than, you're like, ugly. He's, like, yeah. Get in the car. <laughs> you know, jokes people make. <laughs> Yeah. Hey, I just wanted to not get another look at you. <laughs> hey, I'd rather not look at you right hey. now. I'm so sorry. I'd whatever my husband. But like, so like the the thing I want to talk about, like Thunder Road. The one point I'll bring up is like, um, but it's like romantic, but it's also like recognizing uh the dire situation they're in they're like they could be stuck in this town forever and like not realize their potential Mm -hmm. and then they choose to like go out and like go drive and like just like without the knowledge that like success will happen and stuff like that Mm -hmm. i find that very inspiring yeah i loved it um but he's like saying like you just got to take your guitar. You got to drive your car like, and see what happens. Like you're, it's not going to come to you. There's not going to be a savior. And I think that's really like inspiring. I think like, yeah, you got to be brave. You got to like, if you want this feeling, then you got to chase after it. Yeah. It's like, like that, that feeling of hope. Like you just have to hold on and keep pushing and power through and realize yeah. that something will, something better is on the horizon, you know? And it's so reminiscent of a time when love feels like life and death stakes, whether someone will go out with you or not. We got one last (laughs) chance to make it real, to trade in these wings on some wheels. Come on. Like (laughs) bars. And that's another one. I'll I'll speak. Bars. (laughs) It's one of those two that has aged so well. 
uh, yes. over the last yes. 40 plus almost 50 years where it's like he'll do solo piano versions of it but now when he plays it with the band it's slightly slower than it is on oh. the album and then for the for the version that they and it it just feels so grand where it's like we're all going guys you know it's like we're all going to heaven or something like it feels like a spiritual <laughs> yeah experience. yeah and for the born in the usa tour the way he would end the show because on the or not the show the song the, uh, on the album it goes straight into the sax solo at the end the da 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 but on in the show mm-hmm. he always does guitar solo then saxophone solo so him and clarence for the born mm-hmm. in the usa tour uh, Springsteen would be on one side and then Clarence on the other and then they would meet in the middle and Springsteen, Bruce would do a knee slide into Clarence <laughs> and kiss him on the mouth at the end of the awesome. song awesome. it's so good there's so many like uh, videos you can find of that it was, it's very sweet the live version of that is so much better by the way than the I'm sure I had watched these live videos have you, have you really heard it Steph the live episode. version mm-hmm. where it's like a little more okay I'll send you oh, I'll, I'll send you guys one of those because like again like all these feel like blueprinty for like yeah. when I think about Jungle Land I'm like my favorite is on the Live in New York City album <laughs> from 2000 my favorite of Thunder Road is on the Hammersmith album from 1975 my favorite of 10th Avenue is on this bootleg my favorite of Night is when I saw it in Philadelphia you know like mm. I, I, I'm connecting it to those parts of it while still trying to respect the whole album as a thing. Uh, but it's fun how like, you know, all those things can be true at the same time. I still like listening to the album. It's just not something I gravitate towards. It's like, I would rather listen to a live album. It's like jazz uh, where it's like the song, the songs recorded are just like the structure. And yeah. then you have to go see it live. Like, to really Can we talk about like jazz, jazz guys? <laughs> Little La La Land? <laughs> <laughs> but it is no you're you're absolutely right because it's like oh i like this performance where bruce does this on the melody line or does yeah. this thing or like kind of performs it differently and they become different songs over time mm-hmm. there's one there's one version of uh dancing in the dark <laughs> actually can i find it yeah los angeles 2012 we were in the back of the pit <laughs> such in a nerd the, in like, the geez. in uh yep it. here it is and you can yep. <laughs> You can like, find yep, us. Here, uh, uh, here we go. I'm going to put it in the chat. There's one point in the middle of it. He keeps going, you, 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 you. Because it's me and my buddy, Eric. We're like jumping up like this and pointing at him. <laughs> yeah. And so we made him jump up and down a lot more. And he's like singing the song to us. So that's a nice Aww. memory I have of that. I wish I liked anything as much as I you know, like Bruce It's like team. depressing. <laughs> <laughs> like, I, <laughs> I do have other interests i promise uh i i know but i have no interests that are met at this level i'm right. like i don't know sometimes i go to trivia, <laughs> I, go to like, trivia. <laughs> I like movies you know like I, I like a good movie like anyone yeah i'm watching stranger <laughs> things that's the 80s right but uh Tiffany, and no t- one else is allowed to like Kate Bush. Oh my gosh! <laughs> oh my Everyone's God. Gaslight Girl oh Boss man. gatekeeping Kate it's Bush. Fake. Now. It's That's fake that people are gatekeeping. People are just saying people are saying that people are gatekeeping Kate Bush. <laughs> so you're gatekeeping the discourse about gatekeeping Kate Bush. Yes. No more talking about it. <laughs> Gracious. So 10th Avenue Freeze Out. By the way, that's another one of those where it's like this That's is something on favorite, the album yeah. and it's like fun, but it's so small. 10th Avenue Freeze Out when it's performed live is like, holy shit. Like the buildup, the intro for that song before he starts singing is usually like two minutes and he's just like running around the stage, like trying to get everyone amped up. You can watch performances of that on YouTube, but that's my favorite song. Oh, yeah. That's a, hmm. 
That's one where they, so Steven Van Zandt does not play on the album except for a couple of songs. But on this one, he came in and did the horn arrangements for like the, the horn lines that they're playing throughout the song. He's like, I got it. Cause he loves like soul music. The horn line pull me in right away in this song. I love Mm -hmm. it. Mm -hmm. So good. Like, the, I, I like I like the you're talking about these live shows, but like just produ- the way it's produced just here. It's so mm-hmm. excellent. And um, I love it as a companion to Thunder Road because Bruce himself said, like, I don't know what the song means. Right. Like, I, don't, I don't know what this like, is. It just, like, right. it just felt important. It felt <laughs> awesome and stuff like that. And the idea just like it's a companion to Thunder Road of just like, oh, chasing a better life doesn't have to be by yourself. You know, it doesn't have like that's such right. a beautiful thing. I kind of interpret the lyrics as nonsense, basically. <laughs> well, what it became over time, it was a little bit of like self myth making for them because Clarence was always the big man, big man, Clarence Clements. That was his nickname. They all had little nicknames and that was his for the band. And so Scooter and the big man is Bruce and Clarence. So the song kind of became his song in a way, Clarence's song. You can like, they perform it at the Super Bowl sh- halftime show in 2009 doing like the side by side thing. He does a good halftime show. I think I liked it a lot. And, Ooh, and when Clarence passed out, yeah. away, when they toured for the first time after for that point where the line is, and they made a change of town and the big man joined the band. It goes silent. The whole band goes silent. And then everyone's just like, ah, and they show like a little picture of Clarence on the video Aww. screen. So it became a tribute Aww. to him and his memory. But yeah, that was like the whole, and then he plays it in his Bruce on Broadway show, a solo piano version. That's obviously a little bit sadder. And he's just like reflecting on losing his friend. And he said, losing Clarence was like losing an element, like losing the rain or something. It's very sweet. Um, yeah. Final thought. I'll just point like final like thing before we wrap into final thoughts is uh, born to run. Very good song. I think it's good. It's in good. my opinion. I'll take <laughs> like, it's very good. It's so good. Very good. I feel like it's a double beat from it's good. Thunder Road. It. But the only thing is like um, the difference is like uh, Born to Run kind of it introduces this elemental element of why we're chasing our dreams and stuff like that. Why we're making music and stuff like that. It's kind of like to not make music, to not chase our dreams is denying this fundamental part of our being, basically. So I think that's cool. And And it's just like the universal totally. like. Hey, you feel like your life kind of sucks, right? You want to get out of here, yeah. right? Like, like right. the kind of like right. broadness of it. But then what I love is the, the again, the sort of like mythic quality of the specifics. Wendy, so he's, he's singing to Wendy. Wendy, let me in. I want to be your friend. I want to guard your dreams and visions, which is uh, a lyric I've been thinking about a lot lately. Uh, but, but it's like, oh, he's singing it to this girl. So he's still, even within this like very broad kind of anthemic song, embodying a character that's not him. Because there's no Wendy in his real life. Like, you know, maybe just the person he was seeing at the time. Are we sure he doesn't love the four for four? We're not actually. Or, I know. Uh, it does feel like a missed geez. opportunity, right? <laughs> to not do a tie-in. With... Do you think Springsteen dips his fries in his frosty? <laughs> yeah. I get a chocolate frosty and I get the fries. <laughs> I dip the fries in the frosty. What? Oh, Let me guard cool. your hopes and dreams, Frosty. <laughs> <laughs> Let me guard your fries and burgers. <laughs> I want to be your friend. <laughs> now that he's like, like he sold his catalog, that that'll probably happen in the it next could few years. Be. <laughs> I know. If that happens, <laughs> or, yeah. If this shows yeah. up on TV, Michael, I'm going to come to your house. 
it's so, oh, it's so yeah, it's so depressing. There's a there's a song he has called "The Rising." I don't know if if any of you have heard it, but the 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 chorus goes, "Come on up for the rising." He kind of pronounces it for the rising, and. There's been much bandied about like, is he gonna do come on up for Verizon? Verizon Wireless. <laughs> I thought it was gonna be a bakery commercial. Yeah. <laughs> oh, oh yeah, yeah for the sourdough starters. The rising dough. Yeah. Oh, I know. The the food parodies alone, we could do this all <laughs> now all all day. Has Weird Al done a Bruce? Weird Al's never done Bruce. No. Has, for whatever reason. Oh, wow. I think because he was like That's really crazy. protective of his stuff at the beginning. But 10th Avenue, freeze out, cheese out, a corn dog shop, <laughs> corn to run, jungle lamb. Uh, you know, we could. Weird out. We're giving these out for free. Come meat on. across the river. <laughs> yeah, like All these are amazing. Yeah, we could do this. I had a hashtag going with my buddy Grant where we would just tweet Springsteen food parodies at each other. She's the one. She's the, She's one, the one, of course. She's yeah. the one. Oh, yeah. She's the one fucking rules. We didn't even talk about yeah. that. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, let's, let, yeah. No. I love that one live too. That one's so good. He gets to play around Clarence a little bit, but yeah, that's a Bo Diddley beat, and it's just him describing a girl he thinks is hot. I guess is the song. <laughs> yes, it's like you know, pretty pretty elusive and opaque. But that's the one. That's the one where his like Roy Orbison chorus, like with her killer graces. And I like the way he performs it now a little bit more where it's just like, he can just sing to us, you know? Uh, I love the line. Just like, this is the last thing I'll say about this. We got to like get to our final thoughts and ratings. Um, like, <laughs> oh, and just one kiss. She then, uh, the long summers of her tenderness, the secret pact he made back when her love could save you from the bitterness. Is this, that's just like what love can do and stuff like that. That's what we're all looking for. And, and stuff he has like a that. song called What Love Can Do on the 2009 album Working on a Train. <laughs> now I'm just going to do word association until you end the podcast. Send us the five best live performances of that song. Yeah, he's only Link done it, in it three chat. times, it actually. Chat. He's only performed what? it. You know oh that. God. That's <laughs> wild. <laughs> oh. Kevin, was a solo a, acoustic anyway i looked up one of his videos earlier and there was a uh you said you can name any like first second of a spring scene song there was yeah. a youtube video that was like can you name the spring scene song based off of the countin yes so, yes i can if it's the wow. album version i can if it's okay. the live version i don't know because the tempos yeah, yeah, change yeah. sure but if okay. it's the album yes wow Dude. okay do we have that uh, game ready? Let's play. Bruce, <laughs> Brucey Lou Henner's disease? Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah kind this, of. this is what we want to do. 30 minutes after our recorded schedule time <laughs> yeah, is our game. Yeah. That's what we're busting out for you but, now. Uh, we're going we're gonna to do our Would You Rather <laughs> segment. Um, uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, Mine as well. Like the long theme song. Um, okay, fantastic. So let's get the final thoughts and ratings. Uh, the way this works is we'll rate this album out of 10, a uh, final metric at the end. Uh, oh boy. Um, so I'll go first. Uh, I really like this a lot. Uh, I, I had a great time talking about it too. Like, so that just enhanced the album itself. I can't wait to like, and it like some, some artists we do, we'll cover one of their most famous albums and we'll be like, okay, that's enough. We're good. <laughs> like we don't need, <laughs> we don't need to like dive. Mm -hmm. But with Bruce, I'm like, I want to like learn more about it. I want to like watch these live videos. I want to like this makes me want to do more too. Yeah, more episodes on him and stuff like that, and just like see what what else he has to offer and whatever. Like watch his like documentary or watch his Broadway show or something like that. Um, and I, I'm just really excited. Like so, like that really really set a fire in my heart. Um, so I'm gonna give this. Um, 
I'm gonna give this nine. Uh, what's it called? Uh, b- 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 let me get, let me get this clean. I'm gonna give this. Fucking goddamn it! Where is it? Oh, okay. Is he I'm gonna give this right now? <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm gonna give this nine Chevrolets out of ten. So I wanted to get the horse. Upright. I want to. I give this nine upright piano brigades out of ten. Like, <laughs> okay, now that's worth it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there you oh, go. Yeah, baby. <laughs> Uh, okay, I'm gonna give my rating really fast. And I promise it'll be faster than Andrew's. What? I like this a lot. I had no connection to Bruce Springsteen before. Um, honestly, this is one of those episodes where we have a guest on that makes me like the album even more than when I was listening to it. So I appreciate it. I enjoyed listening I to it. Was shit. We were gonna like <laughs> when we were when we were talking about having you on the podcast. We were like, what if we had him on for a not Bruce Springsteen kind of as like you know subvert expectations, but then it's like. No, let's <laughs> like, let's do the Springsteen. Yeah. Yeah. Right, let's do the hits. And that was great. I loved it. I loved just sitting here and listening to a lot of the things you had to say about it. Um I think I love that Bruce has had such a long career and this is like pretty early on in his career. And it's like showing that he already was kind of like an old soul mm-hmm. in a young man's body, like yeah. nostalgic for yesterday, basically. Right. Um, I, I think it's a great album, it's very easily listenable. Uh, and I give this album uh, Highway 9 out of 10. Wow. Boom. Uh, no, literally everything you guys said. Um, I did a complete like 180 on Springsteen. Not that I like hated him beforehand, but like, uh, no, great songwriter. Uh, just, I mean, a great album as a whole. It's just so entertaining. Um, yeah, it feels like a Broadway musical. Um, but also, yeah, there's just so much here that's relatable. Um, yeah, I think it's, it feels fresh, even though it was, you know, 70s, um, 75 or whatever. Um, but no, I, I loved it. I will definitely, like I said, 180. Now I want to go back and explore more Springsteen. So I'll give it, I'll also give it nine nights busting nice. open out of 10. Okay. And, and we, we're talking about the time of day, not like guys in armor. I'll be open. Well, or actually, we'll leave it. We'll leave it to yeah. We'll leave it to the listener to decide. Yeah, I, 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 I. This album is great. I didn't know a ton about Bruce Springsteen, but I just, I, this, it's, it's, it's exciting and it's interesting, and it wasn't what I was expecting, um, and I. Yeah, I'm I'm really compelled by it, and I probably sorry I hit that. I probably Cheers. will listen to it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> are we making a toast? Oh, I'm not prepared to knowledge. To to Bruce. Um, I yeah, I probably will list, spend the rest of the summer listening to it because it's such a great summer album. Um, so I don't know. Uh-huh. I'm gonna I'm gonna give it fucking ten out of ten. Whoa, Woo! guitars I Whoa. got and learned to make talk. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. <laughs> a lot of he says he regrets now. He says that Why? one sucks. Cool. Really, I like that one a lot. It's just a little corny. Like I got a guitar and I learn how to oh, make it. I, like like it. It. I think it's great. He does a ventriloquism, so, ventriloquism yeah. act. Like, yeah, the rest, everything else, <laughs> everything else on the album is totally fine and not corny and like sappy. That's the, the one. Yeah, that just that's, that's the one. Yeah. Yeah. That's the one. Uh, so I'm gonna give this five out of right. ten. <laughs> like, uh, underwhelming. <laughs> I will give it ten out of ten. Giant Exxon signs. Oh, that was a great lyric. Yeah. 
you know, I wouldn't be who I am now. Whoa. Like some music is, uh, kind of shapes your brain in a way, like forever intractably. Uh, you know, and this was, I remember the other sort of like solid memory I have in my head is driving to school or rehearsal or something senior year of high school and listening to thunder road, I think for the first time and being like, Whoa. And really hearing it for the first time, maybe it wasn't literally my first time hearing it, but it's just like one of those love at first listen things where I'm like, Oh, this feels different. And, and then my life was never the same, but no, of course each of these songs I'd put in my, you know, top favorite 100 songs of all time. Mm -hmm. I have, amazing memories of each of them being performed and, and seeing them. And, and yeah, it represents uh, a piece of the best of him and, and what I love about him and my relationship to him. And, and, you know, you know, born to run is, I think one of the greatest songs, thunder road, I would say is one of the greatest songs ever written as well. Um, in the history of rock and pop and that sort of like invitation to a better life and striving and something more than what your current, whatever the thing is, the things you feel frustrated by, maybe it's with a partner. And then the vocabulary of, of how passion and love function for people. I still think about like who amongst us wouldn't want to grab their sweetie (laughs) and sing, you know, any of this to them and be like this, we're going to have a good summer together. So 10 out of 10 giant X on (laughs) Yeah. Oh, that would have been a good rating. <laughs> Baby, I just want to say, Tim Avenue Frieza. She's like, what? Let's be friends. Uh, I'm not it's like, anymore. Oh, if I rated this album a 10, it would have been a 10 and, Avenue Frieza outside of 10. But Well, <laughs> you fucking blew it out. I, I, Christmas like, upright, is ruined, Upride Pianos Brigade is better. So, like, I was wondering. That's <laughs> so funny. Is it? Oh my god. We had a teary. New merch <laughs> dropping in yeah. the store. New merch. <laughs> oh boy. Okay. Um so we are <laughs> we are like 45 minutes no, over. We keep going. I'm sorry. Don't let me stop Three you. More hours. <laughs> <laughs> This is the best. Is it the best to have a guest on a podcast? I think this is who you are just like, hey, stay on. (laughs) Keep keep saying. I mean, yes, this is, especially now, whenever I record more than a few hours, I'm like, all right, I'm good. But now I'm just like, (laughs) but wait, I I need to talk about this. That's kind of my attitude right now. Now we'll get into our, I've been meaning to listen to that. And we did playlist, uh, the part of the show where we uh, add a song onto our Spotify, Apple music playlist. Uh, You you know, something we've been enjoying lately. Uh, I'll pick one really quickly. Uh, This is not a great pick. Not like a, not a great, like, I I like it, but it's fun. Um, But it's like kind of like more novel than like, oh, this is a song that's so meaningful. Mm. Um, Mm -hmm. I'm going to do a upbeat, inspirational song about life. from the Teen Titans Go soundtrack, go <laughs> Teen Titans Go to the movie soundtrack, uh, featuring Michael movie. Bolton. Click. Americana, you're born to run and then you're born to die. Click. Can you make it feel like home if I tell you? Born to Die by Lana Del Rey. Love this song. Love her. <laughs> would love to. Would love a collab with her and Bruce. 
Oh, absolutely. So, they yeah. both are they're both running from this at risk of being, you know, the Andrew and Bruce Lee of our podcast <laughs> right now. Uh, I do love Lana Del Rey, and I think she she really speaks to a certain like, I don't know, in the way that your brain was shaped by Bruce Springsteen to some degree. Lana did that to me. Yeah. I love her music. And even though she's like kind of wild, I'll always listen to her music no matter what. So Wait, uh, do you feel it, guilty but... to her because of the Tulsa connection now? <laughs> uh, uh, she's, a, she's not dating the hot cop anymore. But so. she's in Tulsa, right? Yeah, she'll no, she'll come to Tulsa sometime. So this is sorry, not to not to go too off this. She was getting her hair done at us. Uh, she was getting her hair done. And my uh, fiance works at a like an upscale hair salon here in town. Oh, okay. And she like did it nearby at another one. And he was like, I would have done it for free. Like, of course. I, yeah. I like. Yeah. And she apparently like walked by like the storefront like the other day and it's just like this is crazy <laughs> that's that's so wild. she is well they're one degree yes. away jack antonoff yes. produced her and springsteen's collab with him at least once yeah jack and jack it off is one degree away from literally every, every, every artist who's ever made music <laughs> every pop girly every, i was thinking like, yeah. i was thinking of the meme of the guy in the yellow suit behind the tree anytime <laughs> there's like a young female pop star and there's jack antonoff like <laughs> octavia spencer and mob like, yes. <laughs> don't make me produce alone <laughs> Lana Del Rey is a great artist. Like I, I'm like, yeah. Okay. Uh, Sean, we turn yeah, to you. Now. Um, I'm going to do uh, a song by a band called always. Uh, the song is lollipop parentheses ode to Jim. Click all the bass. All bass. Uh, but this song just sounds like a spring sing song. Um, it's got that like Springsteen guitar riff in it. Just very driving, powerful. It's a banger. It's a great summer song. Highly recommend. Uh, the song is called Fill for Time. It's called Smoke from a Distant Fire, and it's by the Sanford Townsend Band. Click. You left me here on your way to paradise. You pulled the rug right out from under my um, no, it's it's a, it's it was a song. I did this like wild like um, like jukebox musical in the winter, and it was like all seventies music. And this song was in it, and the mm-hmm. way that the actor sang it was really great. And it's it's it actually was a pretty like faithful um, arrangement of the song. So it's a it's it's I mean it's kind of a breakup song, but it's fun and it's it, that's it. I just like it. That's it. <laughs> the oh, yeah. end. Right. And Kevin, now we turn to you. What would you like to put on our playlist? Oh gosh, yeah. I'll I'll try to. You know what? I can't. I can link. I can link them. Uh, I'm gonna put a song called "Wasted Youth" by Jenny Lewis. One of my top ten voices ever. And uh, it's from her on the line album little country inflected and it's just it's kind of the inverse of what this album is where it's like well i'm old now and this sucks <laughs> and this is just what life is and then her her degrees away from springsteen is her and bruce sang backup vocals on a bonnie Vare song two years Ooh, ago what that they put out called a u a tc oh. because it's short for ate up all the cake oh. <laughs> like 
I love Bodiver, but I'm like, oh, ate up all the cake. And you can hear Jenny and Bruce in the background go, ate up all the cake. On, on the A U A U C B. Yeah, that's like Elon's second son. Like that, the name. Good catch, Michael. Thank you. Okay. Very good. Very good. Comedy. So yeah. All right. So Kevin, what a lovely time. What a thank you for being so generous and like hey, so thanks fun. for having me. Yeah. Thanks for being generous with me, holding you hostage. <laughs> no, no, for the better part so of two hours. And especially like because I, I I haven't listened to your show in a little bit. And then like I to prep for this, I listened to a bunch of episodes and like first of all, good as ever. Like thanks. um, but second, like <laughs> um, but then also like I really appreciate the way you like let your guests like the thing I noticed this time was like, oh, you really let your guests like open up about like their history with the church and their history of stuff like that. So it's only fair we do the same for you. Um, so and this is the church I've history <laughs> yeah, with really sorry, more than anyone. Oh, it's the church I still go to. <laughs> yeah. Uh, any anything you would like to plug? Super Mario, first no, of all. No, listen, listen, watch Super Mario when it comes out. But also, uh, 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 listen, to good Christian fun wherever you get podcasts, and uh, don't be mean to me. <laughs> Kevin T. Porter fans. Peloton, Instagram, oh, yeah. Letterboxd, OnlyFans, at Kevin T. Porter. Uh, oh, your Letterboxd. Yeah, yeah. Check, check me out. Your Letterboxd is really good, too, by the way. I really enjoy it. Oh, yeah, my Letterboxd is popping, bro. <laughs> <laughs> it's the shit right now, man. Oh, my talk on Maverick Review was doing numbers. I know. <laughs> I know, but through. I like that there's no DMs on Letterboxd. It, it protects us all. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Uh, okay. Um, yeah, you can follow me at Andrew A. Lee on Instagram and Twitter. You can mm-hmm. follow the show. You can follow Michael at Lemon Taco on Instagram and Twitter. You can follow Sean at Diabetic Twink on Instagram. You can follow Steph. <laughs> Where can we follow you, Steph? Uh, I don't remember. Um, uh, I think. <laughs> don't I do think, it. <laughs> I think Isn't it just. Instagram Steph M Senior. Steph, Steph M Senior. Senior. I think Steph I have M a Twitter. Senior, yeah. I never use it. It's Steph M Senior. S T E F M Senior. Yeah, um, and you can follow the show at IBMTLTT on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. And uh, Kevin, what Bruce Springsteen song would you like to play us out with? Go oh, Tenth Avenue Freeze Out. That's a nice one that everyone yeah, yeah. will like in the neighborhood. Perfect. <laughs> just say it to your boo on like Valentine's Day. Uh, like, <laughs> honey, baby, just baby. so we're clear, Tenth Avenue Freeze Out. <laughs> She's like. This is why our communication sucks. And it's, 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 like, <laughs> it's our generations, you completely. All right. Thank you so much, everybody. 69th Avenue hey. Freeze Out. Okay. <laughs> 69th episode. Thank you so much, everybody. Have a good day. Click. on the city bed, scooter searching for his groove. Wait, is it actually your 69th episode? Wow. Oh, wow. Good job.